You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones and the Tempo Film. I'm Steve. And I'm Sarah. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. And this week, there's no Matt. There's only Sarah. Just me. And we <laughs> we tackled a canon film. A film that I had never seen. I absolutely have never seen it. And we tackled Alan Quatermain and the Lost City of Gold. Alan Quartermain, the master of adventure, has teamed up with the most unlikely partner. Eric is about 6,000 miles that way. To pursue the dream of a lifetime. It's dangerous and it's crazy. And it's what I've got to do. Gold streets of it. They're searching for the long lost treasure of an ancient civilization. warriors. The odds are against them, and that's the way they like it. Richard Chamberlain, Sharon Stone, and James Earl Jones in the adventure movie of the year, Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold. Uh, yeah, so uh, this movie was, uh, it's, it's a canon film. It's uh, Golden and Globus, and you've heard this podcast talk about this a lot. But Sarah, you might not know who that is. That's Canon. They're the they're the like the '80s schlock movie producers. They just keep coming with them. What was the Glonin and Globus? What did you yeah, mean Golan by that? And Globus. They're just two Iranians who came to America producing action movies. Not too many horror films, but a lot. They started with like boner comedies of the late '70s, early '80s, and they moved into. Just pure action with like Chuck Norris and Death Wish and all those movies. So where did this one fit in to the different between the two? This was later on. This was in eighty seven. So this is the second movie of this. The first one is called like the I don't know, whatever the King Solomon's Mines. That's it, King Solomon's Mines. I haven't seen that either because I thought when we first uh, were gonna watch this, I thought Alan Quartermain in the Lost City of Gold was the first. So I got it switched up, eighty-five, eighty-seven. It's it's a it's a Indiana Jones ripoff. That's why I picked it. I actually don't think it probably mattered which one we we watched, even if we tried to watch it in order. I don't. Yeah, it, it doesn't really matter. I hope the first one's not as much nonsense as this one. I still am not sure what happened in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it is a lot of nonsense. So if I'll, okay, well, I guess we'll do it this way. I'll describe the front and then you can read the back. Okay. Sound like a plan. Sounds good. All right. It says in the front here of this VHS, if I was trying to pick this out at a, on a Friday night, renting a movie, I, mm, I don't know if I would. It kind of looks like my dad's adventure film. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think what I personally think the words Alan Quartermain make it seem like it's a Dr. Doolittle type of film. 
And I'm not sure I would have picked it up either. Yeah, it's based off old novels uh, of just, you know, like adventures in the jungle and stuff. So I'm assuming it was probably written in the 50s, 40s, 50s. I don't know. I didn't actually research the novel at all. Yeah, no, I I didn't research it either, actually. So anyway, uh, back to the VHS. It's kind of uh, like the top of it is kind of like a solid color with the title. And it says, Richard Chamberlain, a fearless adventurer, battles the deadly mysteries of a forgotten world in Alan Quartermain and the Lost City of Gold. And then below it, it's got a nice uh, painted cover here. Uh, but it, it seems like, a, you know, a lot of gold's kind of desaturated. That's why I'm saying, like, it seems like an older, like, 50s type. Not, I mean, not even as fun like the B-movies, you know, like the Saucer People or something like that. It's just like, mm, I don't know. Just not really doing it for me if I was a, you know, 80s, 90s kid. But it's, it's fun. Uh, it's got all the, like lost tribal people upstairs and then if you follow up the stairs you see a bunch of the you know bad guys that alan quartermain and his friends fight and then up in the corner you see a uh, a very young uh, elvira except- which i noticed very quickly i was very proud of myself yeah i mean cassandra peterson i mean obviously she doesn't look like uh, elvira in this but um yeah you can definitely notice the face yeah anyway and it's got then it's got uh richard chamberlain and sharon stone which this is sharon stone very young yeah i didn't check her age did you nope no but she didn't get really big until the 90s so uh i don't know how long she was acting but she's got quite a bit of credits in the 80s that is the front of this sarah you get the back Richard Chamberlain's King Solomon's Mines, The Three Musketeers, plunges into a famous forgotten world of unbelievable adventure as that most dashing of gentlemen heroes, Alan Quartermain. In search of his long-lost brother, explorer Alan Quartermain follows an omnibus trail of clues into the deadly, uncharted interior of colonial Africa. Accompanied by his trusty warrior comrade, James Earl Jones, and his ravishing fiance Sharon Stone, Quartermain battles grotesque prehistoric creatures and savage barbarian tribes in his desperate quest to discover the secret of the mythical city of gold. It's a sweeping special effects filled expedition into breathless thrill-a-minute fantasy adventure. Yay! <laughs> Yay! I can't wait to watch this. I mean, that's actually not that bad of a description, but I kind of feel like it doesn't really describe the movie as well as... No, the the back of it should say, a man goes on an adventure to find his brother and a woman follows him that's going to be his future wife that complains the entire time and moans and groans. Then he's joined by... His friend, who is a mighty warrior, who has five other mighty warriors who do nothing. <laughs> exactly. I thought maybe they were just acting as Sherpas and like carrying yeah. luggage, but they didn't even do that. No, I don't know what it was. Uh, anyway, we'll get into the film. But uh, when we put in the VHS tape, this is a, uh, a video treasure. So if anyone's been listening to this for a long time, that Matt and I have gotten these video treasures all the time and they never have anything on it. And guess what? Neither did this one. Are you Ugh. supposed to get a special gift, like a cereal box, like a gift in the bottom of the of the box? Yeah, like treasures. That's what a special a video treasure means. Well, 
I don't know what. Or are they the hell saying that it's this just, movie is the treasure? Oh, Video Treasure just took on a lot of canon films or whatever films fell through the cracks, and they just they just spit them out there onto shelves during the VHS craze, and they never put any trailers on them. It sucked. So when we watch them now, we're looking for these like little special trailers or promos. And Video Treasure will never do it. Uh, Sometimes I wonder why I keep picking Video Treasures. I don't know. You picked it right off the shelf. And suggested it to us, so well, we watched w- it anyway. I wanted to do an Indiana Jones ripoff film. I thought it would be fun. We I don't think we've actually done one since we've been going through all these VHSs. And so then I just picked one from Canon. I mean, come on. We're basically the Canon New Line, couple other production houses, but that's basically our entire <laughs> podcast here. So let's uh let's here we go. Let's start talking about this. Um is directed by Gary Nielsen. Uh, he did the TV series Get Smart and the oh. movie Freaky Friday. Okay. So, I mean, he had a long list of movies. He had been doing it. He was a professional. I don't think a lot of the special effects in Alan Quartermain here in The Lost City of Gold is his fault. <laughs> what <but> special effects? <laughs> I can certainly say that I don't understand the tone of this movie at all. Mm-mm. So, Gary, I don't know what the hell you're doing. But it's produced by Golan and Globus, so, I mean, who knows what the hell they were telling him to do. Maybe I, they weren't even speaking English. Oh, no, they were speaking it. It's, 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 <laughs> it had a really thick accent. Yeah, it's a so really thick accent. But... a lot of confusion about the right way to do a, thing, a movie. <laughs> Why aren't there any boobs in this movie? Because it's PG. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, I actually did have that same thought is why they didn't make Sharon Stone more uh, sexy in the movie. Like, not once. She had on maybe leather pants at one time, but most of her outfits were like full coverage, almost like schoolgirl outfits, especially in the beginning before they went on their adventures. I she had know. a banging body. I would have showed it off. I guess they were trying to make her like. A little bit more than just a typical sidekick. Like she was going to be the Robin. Robin to his Batman kind of thing. I don't know if they're quite going for her. Because honestly her character is basically useless in this film. Because she just doesn't really help. Always gets into trouble and screams a lot. Complains. That's what I should say. She complains all the time. So I had a very strong feeling about this character also in a different perspective than her complaining all the time. What really pissed me off about her was actually that she uh, had all these great dreams and realizations about her future with Quartermain and she had this big wedding planned and he decided just to completely neglect all of it and she still was like mad for a minute and then followed right into suit with him the rest of the movie. And that just really pissed me off. It's almost like this movie's written by a man. I mean, written by a man, directed by a man, pretty much edited by a man. I was, I I mean, I didn't yeah. have, it didn't have a lot of like um, undertones or overtones of femininity or anything. But like uh, that part was like, she was like, I'm so mad, but oh, well, I'll follow you anywhere quartermain yeah i mean well at the beginning too it's his brother that he hasn't seen in a long time so i thought like uh you know probably need to go get your brother but it because the guy died he's in peril 
But yeah, you're right. Then she's just like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to leave. And then she gets like a quarter mile down the road. She's like, nope. Nope. I'm going to put on my leather pants and I'm going to join the fight. I just thought that that was such a weak character move. But the movie wouldn't have been able to go in any other direction um, other than her just not coming. Yeah. If they didn't play it that way. But um, I, but I just I don't get like they dressed her up like an adventurer like she's about to be like a helper you know she's gonna actually be part of the team help the team uh, I don't think she does anything this entire movie I can't remember her helping I mean with she paddles anything. in the canoe yeah well do we want to go into that no, already no but <laughs> anyway uh, yeah so it's starring Richard Chamberlain as Alan Quartermain and uh, you know he was the first Jason Bourne. Yeah. Yeah, Born Identity. Yeah, nineteen eighty eight. So he did this that guy? right. Yeah, he did it right after this. Huh. Unless I wrote down the wrong year. I've never seen it. So this guy was supposed to be like your really sexy mountain man type. Yeah, Harrison and Ford. I would say that at no time did I feel that way about this character. No, he seems like a character who would be like like he's fencing. Fencing is his thing. Like very elegant. Well, and proper. Well, his the last movie I saw that he was in, and it is so old, but he was a priest. Oh. And kind of like yeah. uh, a kind of weirdo priest. And so I just couldn't I just couldn't buy into his like mountain man uh, Indiana Jones exterior, especially because he wore his shirt just unbuttoned the whole time. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because. Uh, I always compare, you know, anytime I get an Indiana Jones ripoff film, I'm going to compare it to the main guy, to Harrison Ford, which probably isn't fair because Harrison Ford is, you know, like on top of the mountain. Right. Harrison Ford's pretty cool. But I mean, this character, I wasn't, I wasn't so into him. I didn't go into this thinking he's that really hot, you know, uh, mm. main character that I re- really want to watch the rest of this movie. No, I think it's just the guy that uh, Golan and Globus could afford, who had a nice beard in good shape, tan. They're like, yeah, we'll use him. He's, he's a proper gentleman. Yeah, he was probably cheap and easy. I mean a proper gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had James Earl Jones as, uh, I'm going to really uh, try to pronounce this name. I don't even remember him saying his name that much, but it's Um Solapagas. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that James Earl Jones was in this Jones was in this movie. I actually when I saw him I was like, that's James Earl Jones. And I got really excited, remember? Yeah. He's he's okay in this film. He might be the best character. He's young. He is the protector. He probably was not my favorite character by any means, but I do think that he was the best character. Yeah, I mean, Darth Vader, Mufasa. You know what? Maybe it's because I'm an 80s baby, but I know him most, mostly just for his voice roles because he's been in a lot of acting roles. Yeah, he was also in uh, Field of Dreams. That's yeah, that's yeah. the first place I think I ever remember him being. Uh, I remember him in Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. Yeah, but he was young. He was skinny. Mm-hmm. He looked good. He was... Skinny-ish. Skinny-ish. <laughs> he was tall. He... Um, he led the pack. It was a cool role for him, except the movie was yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. I already mentioned Sharon Stone, but, you know, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Casino. She's just a star of the 90s. Yeah, I think she she had to have been in her late 20s. And this, yeah, I would definitely guess mid to late. 
Because there were even moments where I looked at her and I couldn't really recognize her as Sharon Stone. Like, she was that young. Mm, she's a baby. Uh, Henry Silva as Aegon, the high priest, the high evil priest. He's a character actor. He's been in everything. Total waste of money by the directors. Oh, you didn't like him? He's well, the I guy mean, that just did... Whoa, no, like no, no, the, no, 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 not him. No? No, that's uh, another guy. This, uh, this is the one with the crazy hair. Oh, no, I didn't like him at all. I okay. actually <laughs> I actually thought, my last thought this afternoon when I was thinking about this was that that guy and Alan Quartermain mm-hmm. could have switched characters and I might have been happier. Oh, really? Yeah, because I found that guy to be like very masculine and like very... I don't know if I would call him attractive, but more like your mountain man ranger type. The high priest? The yeah. Guy that, the guy that looks like yeah. straight out of central casting bad guy? No, he looks like a tough guy on the streets that had a bad hair day. I yeah, I, so. I don't know what's up with that hair uh, they chose for him. But yeah, Henry Silva has been acting forever. I don't even know if he's still alive, but uh, he was he's mostly bad guys. Uh, I mean, he's in Ocean's Eleven, The Manchurian Candidate. Like, he's just got countless. But uh, I could have swore he was in a James Bond film that I looked up today. No, he's not a bad guy in a James Bond. I could have swore he was, but he's not. Uh, and then we have Robert Donner as Shwarma. This is the guy you're talking oh, about. Oh, this guy was, first of all, completely impossible to understand if he was mm-hmm. talking. And then when he was talking, it was useless. And I really couldn't understand why he... They, I must have been asleep when they asked him to come because I don't know why he was there. I I don't know. I, I remember them like coming into a shop and then I guess he convinced them that he knew where the Lost City was and he joined yeah. them as a spiritual guide. He did. But, I do remember that. But I don't remember like when they were all like, come on, let's go. Let's well, do this. You're, you always got to respect a movie when they take a white character and cover him in brown makeup. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it was like more dirt than I know. I tried to figure that out at first. I go, wait a minute. Are they, is this brown face? No, that was not brown face. I think it was brown face. No, no, it was just a dirty, godly spiritual guy. I'm pretty sure that's a turban. He was a white guy playing an Indian. I guess we can find uh, out. Is canon. he a white guy in real yeah, life? Yeah, he's a white guy. Yeah, oh, totally. in real life. Oh, he's oh, okay. 100%. Because I thought he was not. I thought maybe he was of um, like a from Mediterranean background or something. No, no. I, I just think it was brown makeup that maybe was inconsistent throughout the film. And then it turned into just what it looked to, appeared to be dirt. Yeah, he was dirty. Yeah, and and useless. I constantly wanted them to wash him. Yeah, uh, his hands reminded me of like a mechanic's hands. See, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was like, why is the makeup so bad? Yeah, I think he must work on cars on his during his free time. Yeah, <laughs> and his time in India where all the cars were. I don't even know what year. I, I'm assuming this took place in the 20s, 30s. Yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, I don't know because I assume it was written in like the 40s or 50s. So the writer was probably making it. Back in the 20s, maybe. I don't Possibly. know. Uh, and then the last one in here, Cassandra Peterson, which we've already talked about. Uh, she's Elvira. That's all you need to know. If you don't know who Elvira is, the whore hostess. Hello? 
darling, and welcome to the show. Elvira's the name, and movie hosting's my game. Week after week, I'm good for a shriek. As... <laughs> and there it is, the shriek. Week after week, I'm good for a shriek as I pluck from our vaults another tale of the bizarre. So don't go away. It's another Movie Mac biggie. May I ask, I don't, did she speak at all in this no. film? Okay, so it wasn't my imagination that she was literally just a pretty face, pretty body, nice set of hair, and boobs. Yeah, I was going to say, you say nice set of hair. <laughs> um, because I, I thought that she was a cool looking character, but she didn't say anything. No. I mean, I, I don't understand uh, about how, why do you hire someone with such charisma and then don't let her talk? Like her sister, I can't remember the name of that princess. No one remembers that sister. Had a lot of lines. And she was really, really boring. Oh, my God. that's I have her written. I didn't even write down her name. But uh, basically, I just wrote her down as a, like a character. Uh, I didn't even write her down. I just put characteristics. Blonde. Uh boring that's it yeah i have nothing to add check my notes blonde and boring that's what i put she had a voice sure that's one positive thing she looked like what's her name from frozen oh yeah you did say that uh alice elise stop taco stop talking elsa elsa (laughs) i was close no you weren't yeah taco that's right Mm -hmm. all right so this is what I got down for the actual story. Oh, you want to know something edru- interesting? The budget on this was thirteen million. World gross three point seven. Ouch. Yeah, it That's didn't make good. any money in the box office. Well, it came out at the end of January nineteen eighty seven. You want to know what else was out at the time? The Golden Child. Eddie Murphy. Yep. Yeah, that made a ton of money. Star Trek Four, oh, always okay. solid franchise. Crocodile Dundee. Really? Yeah, so you no- had another like masculine guy walking you know, like, God, ah, this is the same type of movie in a way. Right next to each other. You had Platoon. So there's another guy's movie that was coming out. Uh, and then Little Shop of Horse. <gasps> little Shop, Little Shop of Horse. Oh, 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 oh. See? Sorry Already, I want to watch something else. <laughs> I was like, I want to watch that. All right. Anyway, feature presentation time. And now... Our feature presentation. Here's the story. I got a page of notes. We'll try to get through this quick because I think I just want to talk about the funny shit in this. The story is useless, but uh, we had Alan and Jess. They're living somewhere in Africa, and apparently they just had an adventure before, and they decided to settle down and get married somewhere in America. I actually would say that she decided this, and he was kind of just going along with it. Okay. I'll, I'll t- Well, yeah. Because she buys him that suit. Yeah. And he was like, there's no way I'm going to wear a suit to the wedding. But in his defense, that suit was horrible. It was. And he put it on and immediately ruined it. And if that ever happens to you and me, I will be very ex- upset. If you ever buy me that suit, <laughs> I'd probably wear it ironically. <laughs> and then go fight like alligators with it. <laughs> or no, I mean... No. I mean, uh, African, uh, African tribal, tribal people, people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So some guy runs, uh, I don't know what happens. Like, uh, some guy comes back to them or he falls someone. It's a friend of his brother's. Yeah. That somehow was in mission to like tell him about his brother, tell 
uh, Quarterman about his brother, but the guy is so distraught by the experience of being beat up or chased by tribal people that he can't really get out a sentence. But at the very end of his life, or the night before he's brutally murdered in his bed by a tribal person, he mutters that his brother is in the city the Lost City of Gold. And I'm sorry if you were supposed to say all of that. No, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just start the adventure right off. Sharon Stone goes, Ugh, I can't believe you're ruining the suit. Ugh, you're not going to marry me? I'm leaving. Never mind, I'm coming. I'm coming. And she combs her hair and she puts on her leather pants and she puts on her little white shirt, which is actually completely see-through from the back, by the way. And she goes on her adventure. I never noticed that was see-through from the back. Yeah, it is. And I was, it, but it, it had an extra layer of material on the front. And so it wasn't see-through on the front. Okay. I wonder if she did that. Who knows? Like, hey, you douchebags, I'm not running around in <laughs> yeah. this. Because I, I noticed that it was completely see-through from the back and that she didn't have a bra on. So these are the things that women recognize when they're watching films. And I thought, oh, gosh, when she turns around, we're going to see her boobs. Like, okay, so maybe they are making Sharon Stone sexy. And then she turned around and she had, like, an extra two layers of cloth on the front of the shirt. So you couldn't see oh, through it. I never even looked at that. I just, right when she was on film, I tried to block her out. Why? Because they do this with women characters. They write them as weak as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh, another one of these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where they just, I mean, it's, yeah, you've seen it a hundred times. Uh, yeah. So they just uh, go off and then they uh, get um slow. That's what I'm going to call him. Uh, and then uh, he, he joins. I love how big a deal he is. He's like, I have five. What was it? Ascari warriors. Yeah. He has and, five warriors to take along on the trip for protection. Yeah. And then Alan Quartermain's like, he can come with us. He's my friend. And he's got five uh, Ascari warriors. I'll take that any day. And you're like, oh, okay. So they're going to be like great fighters. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then we get some spiritual guide who's basically comedy relief the entire time. But not funny. No, not at all. Like, I don't even know if children would find him funny. Like, I don't think they could. There's nothing. He was just bumbling and stumbling his way through the film. He was also hated by... James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, yeah. Uh, um, slow. That's what I'm going to call him. I'll write that down so I can say it later. But, uh, yeah, they get it and they go... Uh, so, you see Alan Quartermain get, like, a, I don't know, tin foil armor to go underneath his shirt. I don't know what that material was, but it was supposed to be... It could block any arrow or any spear. I like to call it the silver spandex protector. Yeah. It's <laughs> shiny silver spandex. It hangs below the nipples on a man's chest and it protects you from all steel weapons that come flying at your chest below the pectorials. But what if it would have hit him in the face? Exactly. She grabbed me down the lobby and explained what was up. And then they slapped this bulletproof vest on me and gave me a gun. <laughs> but what if he shot you in the face? <laughs> there was nothing covering his face. Oh, no. Yeah, it was terrible. His chest, is co his chest, shoulders, everything else is completely exposed, his face. But luckily, this comes back in the movie that everyone shoots for the same spot on Alan Quartermain. <laughs> and, it's, and it's between, it's b above the hips, 
but underneath the pectorials. Every time. <laughs> and, he, and it has to be there because this shield, this cloth silver shield, actually is really a low-cut female dress. I know, that's... <laughs> and so, like, basically, it it has to be lower than his shirt is unbuttoned, so it has to be under the pecs. It was ridiculous. Yeah, because they couldn't have done a V-cut, because then you would have been able to see it. It had to have been, I tell you, it was like a, a female clubbing shirt from the 70s. Like, that's what I felt like it was. Probably, he was showing off all his cleavage. <laughs> Yeah, so they just go straight into the adventure after this, and I guess they're supposed to be going through the desert at one point. So this is the part where I have a tendency to fall asleep during movies, like right in the middle, and I'll fall asleep, I'll wake up, I'll fall asleep, I'll wake up, and I think I probably did that a couple times, and every time they were just in a different jungle walking through a different set of forest or plants or it it just like never ended it was just them walking forever yeah first they start like this is what i call like the it's like three or four scenes where they decide to kill all the super powerful ascari warriors the first one is there's a pit which the dipshit, the dumb character, like presses a button so the pit opens and then two Ascari warriors just like fall straight down. They're like, ah! See, I must have missed some of the main parts there because every time I woke up, they were just still walking through a grassy plot of land. (laughs) Well, I mean, they they get out of this. I I don't know. I guess someone hits the button. Oh, yeah, Alan Quartermain shoots the button back and then, you know, the pit closes. He has a gun that, that... Never runs out of bullets. Ever. Infinite. <laughs> One scene is totally ridiculous, yeah. uh, which is the next scene, because then they're on canoes, and I honestly do not remember them finding canoes. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I browned out. I actually think blacked they're out, more like, like kayaks, but yeah. Yeah. Two of them, right? Because there's only two warriors There's left. three at first, oh. but then another Akari warrior gets shot by a... An arrow because this like random tribe, which I guess was the first tribe that killed his friend that came to his house to start this adventure off. I'm assuming it's the same African tribe because they like paint themselves like with like a white uh, war paint and everything. Oh, were the first ones the white war paint too? Yeah, I think. Okay, yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, and then uh, so it's it's totally absurd because uh, Umslum like takes his axe and spins it in the circle so fast that it can block all the arrows and spears. But one gets through, hits Alan Quartermain just in the right spot, and then they think he's a <laughs> god and they run away. Yeah, the spot is under the pectorials and above the hips. Right there in the perfect spot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in his. In his abs, I guess. Like yeah. it's like every warrior like shoots straight for the belly button. <laughs> yeah. They're like, hit him there. <laughs> uh, and then they go more. And then there's down to two canoes. And then they like go like, I don't understand what the hell is happening. Because I guess they're supposed to be going down the river. Yeah, and then there's a what's the thing when it goes in circles and circles? Yeah, there's like, like a, a tidal wave or something. Not a tidal wave. There's um, a basically where it's shit, what is that? Like a cyclone. Uh, a cyclone or a water cyclone. I don't know. I don't know. Like a current underneath. The, yeah. yeah. So it would suck you down. But they just go right past that one. And they I was like, um, okay. And then they go into a cave 
that looks a lot like the Merrimack Caverns, where we're both from in Missouri. And then they, it's like a, and if anybody has ever gone um, to a water park and gone on an inner tube and just gone through um, like an adventure ride, that's what it was like. They just started going down like little waterfalls and. What's the log one in St. Louis? The log Six Six Flags. Has one, yeah. Yeah, what is it called? The It's a log fume, but I don't know. Log fume? Oh, you're right. Flume. Is that what it's called? Wow. Yes, of course it's called the log. Oh, log jamboree is also what it's called. Yeah. Oh, they call it a lot of different things. Anyway, yeah, sawmill log flume, and then we have the long jamboree. Anyway, so that's kind of what it looked like, and it was really bad uh, blue screen, and it was going all the way down those tunnels. Even I was like, this is horrible blue screen. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. It's really bad. I don't know if they didn't know how to do it. Or if budget. they didn't have the money to do the it. The budget, yeah. It was really bad. And um, just to mention also in the when they were canoeing or kayaking or whatever they were doing, um, they were also rowing the wrong way half the time. Yeah, I mean, is... I only know because I used to kayak, but they were, they were trying to go away and they would be rowing the wrong way. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm assuming the editor didn't have the right cuts because the director didn't get enough shots. And then they're like, oh, they're going towards the 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 fire pit in the middle there. It's like, then why are they rowing backwards? Mm-hmm. Like, and you're like, if they're going forward, it's, it's yeah. not that difficult. I mean, when you're rowing backwards, you should be going backwards. Or at least just, stopping. Or at least stopping. Yeah, you wouldn't just continue forward at a full pace. Oh, it was really bad. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention the unlimited bullets in the last scene where the warriors attack them and mm-hmm. Umslum is blocking them all. Well, basically Alan Quartermain just goes off and shoots. He's, it's a six. It's a revolver. There's six shots. And I counted right when I, you know, reached nine. I was like, okay, they're just not even going to show him reload. He just keeps going. It's like, pew, 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 pew. I don't even know if he was hitting anyone. No, he was just hitting things. Yeah, it's like, whatever. Uh, and so, anyway, Alan Quartermain stops the fireball underneath the water, which they called the Devil's Heart, by shooting a giant rock. <laughs> and it falls in the water, splashes, and takes out the Devil's Fire. It does. And everybody is relieved. People can breathe again. Because as they were getting closer to the big fire, um, Sharon Stone and Quarter Main were losing their shit. Like they were um, sweating so heavily that they mm-hmm. were about to pass out. Yeah, and then we lost the last two Ascari warriors. It so, wasn't that sad of a loss. They pretty nope. much were a waste of space. I don't know what the point of putting them in there. It was they were basically just red shirts from Star Trek, which means they're just there to die. But I but the thing was is like there was no like sad moment either. Like we lost our warriors. No, no one gave they're like, eh. <laughs> We lost two warriors. Oh, who cares? <laughs> Sharon Stone was the only one who was just like, Oh no, we lost another Ascari warrior. Now in Quartermain and Umslow, um, who which Umslow was apparently leading them. No, don't even blink. They're just like, Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Okay, bye. You know, it's just like ridiculous. Anyway, so they finally find, uh, they go in farther into the cavern and they find gold down there. And then we find out that this world that we're in with Alan Quartermain has serpents, like giant dragon serpents. 
like if you've ever seen um, Little Mermaid and um, the little serpents or uh, Elvira's little fishy things that come out and like, what are those even called? Come out and like scare everybody. Um, they have oh. a lisp. Uh, that's what that reminded me of. I know what you're talking about. Like, I have the vision in my head of them. Yeah. Everybody else who's listening probably knows. It's like Elvira's lispy little... Eels. or... Not eels. uh, Uh, Electric eels? It's not... I don't know. Maybe. Ah, whatever. I don't think so, but... Oh, yeah. I know you're... They're not eels. I don't know. What... They're like that. Yeah. Sort of. Except they don't live in water. They live in rocks, apparently. Yeah, maybe someone should tell the people, the prop masters and everything, or maybe just the director, like, maybe don't show those in, like, direct light, because they, <laughs> they look so bad. They, I felt like they were uh, puppets. They, well, yeah, they definitely were. Yeah. But they were puppets that should have been shown, like, cover, like, put some goo on them, you know, like, have them just barely coming out of the holes, biting at them really quick so you can't see them <laughs> as much, you know, do anything to help these puppeteers out because <laughs> they are bright and they are in direct, like, cave sunlight, apparently, which also made me laugh because the entire cave is lit up. Like, they don't even try to make it, like, dimly lit in some spots. Yeah, and it wasn't like they were regular, like, jungle reptiles or something. They were literally from, like, another universe. Yeah, they're, like, it just, like... It made no Dragon sense. serpents of yeah. some sort. I don't, I don't know. You just have to, you know, Google it and then serpent see Serpent might be the right word, actually. Serpent. Yeah, they're like they were. Yeah. They were kind of dragony, but you know they kind of came out of holes like eels or snakes or. Honestly, though, whenever he was, they went down the hole and they saw the dead, a lot of dead people in the gold, mm-hmm. and the serpent started coming out. I will say, when he was the last one in the hole, and like the serpent was coming up after him, it kind of freaked me out a little. Like I had a moment where I was like, "Oh God, I hope I'm never in that position." Well, it's the only spot where they tried to dramatically light it. Maybe that was the only realistic moment for me in that in that. Yeah, because you couldn't tell that it was a puppet yeah. immediately, and it scared me. Like it but, gave me the EBGBs. Oh yeah, and they also shot acid. I think it was acid. I don't. Remember One of them that. spits on Alan Quartermain or Sharon Stone, but nothing oh, happens. Yes. It was like um, it was just like water coming out yeah. of their mouth. Like, was it supposed to be acid? I don't know. I hope not, because it hit, like, one of them directly. I just can't remember which one. And it they're was like, poison. Probably poison. They, and they just forgot. Maybe they were snakes. I don't know what they were. I d- honestly, it was just leftovers from another movie. Yeah, like, they had him in the wardrobe closet, like, sitting in a, in a trunk. I don't know. So, after this, they find the city. Uh, after after uh, Jesse gets scared by bats, and then yeah. Alan Quartermain tells her, "Good job," because <laughs> yeah. the bats. I I think what they were trying to do, because she just bumps into a bat, screams, the bats fly off. That's like the biggest bat I've ever seen. Oh yeah, it, I guess they're supposed to be leaving the cave, and that's why Alan Quartermain's like, "Good job, Jesse. Now we know how to get out." Yeah, and they they actually exited onto the most beautiful waterfall scene i have ever seen in a movie i'm it was beautiful and may i point out i don't even think at this point this has to be halfway through the film maybe a little bit past we haven't even seen our main protagonist or i mean our main antagonist 
So I thought that was interesting. Not you can't. That's tough to pull off. Yeah. And naturally, this film doesn't pull it off. But there are some laughable moments. We've already hit some. But we're about to get to a couple ones that are massive. Yeah. But I'd like to make one point because this, to me, was like a big deal. When they came out and there were these like beautiful waterfalls. Mm-hmm. And then they like turn a corner and they can see like the the last city of gold. And it looks like they're in like Arizona desert. When they walk down to it, <laughs> yeah. it is fall. Wherever they are recording, the leaves are brown and falling. Yeah. It's like not, it's like you, it's. They're saying, oh, this is the city of gold. But the outside of the city of gold is incredibly ugly and disgusting. But... And it happens to look like a lot where studios that we have are... Yeah, know, like, I was thinking New Jersey late fall, you know? I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I know they fight two lines in a row. Alan Quartermain shoots one. They jump like a pit. And then they're in the fall somewhere. I mean, lost city of gold. And then another lion attacks. I'm like, really, guys? Back-to-back lions? Not even the same? There's supposed to be two different locations. Yeah, lions, yeah. Like, and, and then Alan Quartermain kills one, and... Oh, I think Alan Quartermain kills both, but Umslum wrestles the second one. Yeah, but, but Quartermain, uh, while they're wrestling, Quartermain is doing this, like, I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna shoot, I'm gonna shoot, but... And, he does. Eventually. Yeah, and he does eventually shoot and kill the lion. But anyway, yeah. yeah, they killed two male lions in this movie, which I thought was against the rules. I didn't think you could do that. Well, I mean, hey, I guess those those lions are coming after him. I just don't understand why they were even there. I don't get why a lion would attack just like a big group of people. Like, <laughs> I think a lion would pretty much be like, um, Nah, I'll just go look for like a zebra or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they get in, and then it's a uh, it's a city full of white people and and African people living in harmony. Yeah, uh, all wearing white. Everybody wears yep. white. Everybody looks happy, and there's a lot of children and uh, a lot of gloriousness. I mm. mean, if you it. It seems like a city out of the Bible or something. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it has gold. They have no weapons. They're all farmers. They're all living in peace. And then we find out that they're actually run by an evil priest, high priest, evil high priest, who is also a slave trader, and he loves gold. Yeah. He loves gold! You see, Mr. Powers. I love gold. Gold. And in fact, he tortures people by dipping them in gold. That yeah, he tortures them, and then they're gold, though. So he eventually makes money off of them because they are gold. Yeah, I guess he just sells their dead gold bodies. <laughs> I guess. And then for slate, I this is what I was confused. So what was he? What was he buying with the gold? I don't know. I think they forgot to, or or we just fell asleep. It didn't make any sense. Uh, I think it was just a weird. You know, way of torture. Everybody has their um, their things. And then the the city has two queens. We have the boring queen, uh, Nalipa but or whatever. The boring queen with a with a voice. With a voice, she's boring and blonde. With a voice. Uh, and then we have uh, Soraeus or something like that. Soraeus, and she is power hungry. Yeah. And she's got great hair. Great outfits. No voice. <laughs> no voice. Just a 
rocking body and big boobs. She's got some crazy outfits. Like that yeah. one looked like there's no way she could possibly breathe. Yeah, it was very strange. Like but this- she was the thing that I thought was a little off though was that she had like 1980s style hair, yeah. which the other the other princess or whatever high priest priestesses or whatever she had like normal you know straight blonde hair pulled back or done up like a like a queen and this lady had your like super duper curly red ish brown frizzy 1980s like out of control rocker hair yeah it was awesome it was awesome but i just the contrast of the two were just really difficult for me that's what they're trying to do that's what the eight you know they're like oh we're gonna make one evil with this rock and roll hair, and the other one's supposed to be this nice, sweet, you know, flat, straight hair. I think. I think that's what they're trying to do. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to predict, but yeah. And then they think Alan Quartermain is a god again, because doesn't someone hit him again? Yeah, but remember, we forgot one big part in here. He does find his brother. Oh yeah, but who cares? I, he does. He, he does, does find his brother, and I have I. I did some research on this, and did you know that Alan Quartermain and the brother in this movie were real-life partners? What? Yep. (laughs) The irony of it all is that his real-life partner is his brother in this film. Yeah, because I feel like in the film, he just goes, hey, brother. Hi, I'm alive. I'm doing well. I love this city. We should leave. No, I can't leave this city. Okay, I'll defend it. Yeah. And like, I feel like that was it. That's what I mean. Like, who cares? It's because it was like, uh, he traveled all this way. And then immediately he was just like, hey, how's it going? I'm just wondering, like, I'm thinking like they thought that, you know, Alan Quartermain, this actor was cheap. And they're like, who else can we get who's cheap? Let's see if if his partner is available to play the brother role. Or Alan Quartermain didn't want anyone to know and he wanted him to be on set and he's just like i know an actor yeah well he was out so oh was he yeah oh yeah oh okay i a lot of actors at this time weren't oh really maybe i he mean wasn't. they were to maybe like close friends and stuff but i don't think they'd make a lot of people make it public i don't know i mean that's a that's that's a either way clever move Alan <laughs> yeah clever looking clever girl. for your air quotes brother are you yeah that's why he doesn't want to get married (laughs) that's why he decides oh my god this makes so (laughs) much more sense now that's why he completely like overlooks the wedding to go find his brother because there's actually a deeper meaning here that his brother isn't just his brother yeah he never like he kisses like just once i think yeah maybe twice yeah and it was a very dramatic kiss that one time yeah so you know that's fake yeah oh yeah it's got to impress everyone around yeah, him. And I know also, what's going on here, Alan. And he also wears silver spandex to protect his pectoral, his waist up to his pectorials. So there's a lot of uh, undertones here that I caught. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. You you solved the the mystery of Alan Quartermain. <laughs> yes. Anyway, they they get into. I, I guess Aegon gets mad because uh, Alan Quartermain kind of like. Proves that he's a god by sticking dynamite underneath a bench and blowing it up. But it was so obvious. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. It was so <laughs> obvious. Like, how did you not see that he got a piece of dynamite out of his back pocket, lit it underneath a bench, 
and then stuck it there. Or how about he's the only person in this entire region who has a gun and just leaves it on his bed for the uh, true for the doofus character to steal. True, true. Yeah, because Aegon then um, gets a bunch of warriors somehow. I guess he just pays them in gold and said, "Like, let's let's take the city back." Which Aegon left on his own. It's like he left on his own. And he's like, "Er, I'm mad. I'm gonna get revenge." <laughs> so storms the the building. Uh, the people defend themselves with what little they have because they're very peaceful farmers and everything. And it's just your normal fight until the very end. Uh, the last, like, last, like, I think even you said, um, how much longer is on this film? And yeah. I checked the timer and I'm like, we got about 10 minutes, babe. We're going to be like, okay. Ready. I was ready for this to be over with. <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, this is so weird. So Alan Quartermain takes Umslaw's giant axe goes up to the top and a storm starts i don't know what he's supposed to be doing i'm assuming he's supposed to be taking the lightning from the sky striking the top of this gold i don't know like ceiling ornament (laughs) and it's melting all the gold which is then falling on the warriors and killing them or freezing them, like gold freezing. Well, it them was or like whatever. It, yeah. the lightning was supposed to be melting the gold so it'd make it hot. Yeah. Just like it Aegon. Was ch- the sword, which probably had some magical powers that weren't explained very well, was channeling the lightning that was hitting the gold, melting the gold, and creating statues of gold of all no, the no, bad No, no, it was people. melting the gold. Melting the gold and, then and when creating it fell statues. On the, yeah, and the, but the. Okay, I thought you were trying to say it was just turning them instantly into statues. No, it was creating yeah, statues okay. by all the yeah. gold just melting and melting and melting. Yeah, that was weird. I, I, I made no sense at but first because I was like, what's going on? At this point, though, like I really kind of felt like, yeah, it was weird, but it kind of just fit what was happening in the movie because everything in this movie is off. Yeah. There's nothing normal or or even understandable about it. Well, and then it just ends like... Aegon is covered, doused in gold. We have... Shit. What happens to Elvira? Uh, doesn't she fall down the hole? She falls down the hole. Oh, is that what happens to yeah, her? Yeah, she falls down the hole with um with somebody else who's a bad person. So Cassandra's, Peterson's character just... Oh, yeah, with that um, dumb leader, like barbarian guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they fall down the hole. Mm-hmm. And they're into just the, into it's over into the gold. Yeah. yeah, and they're statues of gold. And then they're like, "Okay, now we can leave and go to America and get married." Yeah, but what we forgot to mention is at one point, Quartermain creates shielding outfits oh, <laughs> for the rest right. of his team, and um, somehow out of gold, he finds like this gold shiny. Um, cocktail dress attire and creates shields and has everybody in his group put it on so that they are also not able to be hit by sharp items between the pectorials and the hips. <laughs> Do you yep. remember that? Yeah, someone doesn't Sharon Stone get hit also with like an they, arrow or yeah, something? Yeah, and they all do. Yeah. And like none of them are are Oh, that's right. Because there's two tribes. There's the barbarians, which are all gross and dirty 
uh, and have wigs on. And then there's the other tribe that has like the white war paint on. Mm-hmm. And then the the tribe with the white war paint says, oh my gosh, they're all gods and runs away. So leaving just the barbarians to get covered in the gold. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Because, okay. That just came back to me. Because I, I kind of just like, I, I don't know. I don't think I was paying attention to my phone too much. But probably because this movie was just like, ugh. I was, end it. I was fully engaged at this point because yeah. you had called me out for falling asleep. So my I was determined to stay awake. These listeners demand our, <laughs> our expertise on these shit films. They demand your expertise. I'm here because Matt was unavailable. That's true. That's okay. It's fun to watch these with you. Uh, I mean, look at this, some of the stuff you caught. I never would have noticed you could see through Sharon Stone's shirt from the back. Yep. Ever or discovered the secret of Alan Quartermain. Yeah, and I will say another thing that you would have never noticed was that Sharon Stone's hairstyle was different every other scene. Oh no, nope. <laughs> she had straight hair, and then she had really curly hair. I those are like the little things, the feminine touch that I recognized as I was watching um, this movie. <laughs> Not one damn time. I, like I said, I just ignored her. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's this character again. Uh, some behind the scenes of it. This was filmed back to back with uh, King Solomon's Mind. So they just kept going. That's a long shoot. Uh, based loosely on the books, which we... Um, so this book that it was based on uh, had, was about a lost white tribe of Africa with two rival queens fighting over it. I guess over the castle or the shrine, whatever. Uh, it was going to be a trilogy, and the third one was going to be called She and Alan. Oh, a relationship film. But uh, this tanked so bad, and Canon was losing so much money, they canceled it. I actually might have watched She and Alan. Now I would have watched it too. I mean, we got to we got to at least watch the first one together. Mm-hmm. And so, let, let's see if the first one's better than the. <laughs> second one because the second one's called like a pure adventure or the first one's called like a pure adventure film when i was looking it up this one's called a a comedic adventure because of that that religious guy who probably i i just think i just think they like well we can't do as good as we could in the last one so let's make it a little comical maybe we can do something i don't know there was a new sequel that was written in 2011 well helped written by uh golan who wanted to uh, direct this and get this, Richard Chamberlain said he would return. But sadly, it was written in 2011 and Golan died in 2014. So that never would have happened. It kind of sounds like it was Pipe Dream anyway. Like, I don't think that would have... How are you going to have like an 80-year-old Richard Chamberlain come back? Then again, then again, isn't Harrison Ford like 75 and he's no, doing a fifth? Harrison Ford is already in his 80s and he's still doing things. So yeah. okay. I don't know, but Chamberlain doesn't strike me as like the same kind of street cred as Harrison Ford, of course. No, I don't. I don't think anybody <laughs> wanted to see Chamberlain. Nope. In 2014. Is he even alive I don't think now? people wanted to see Alan Quartermain in 85 or 87. I thought he was... Like, Really ridiculous in this movie. So. Yeah. Uh, Sharon Stone was nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award in this, but sadly she lost to Madonna in Who's That Girl? I haven't seen that one either. Sadness. So uh, let's go off to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. 
So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out like Indy into the film jungle and bring something back, good or bad. I'm going to put a lump of coal in here. you got to figure out what tone you're going with in a movie. Are we going with the pure adventure? You can have a few laughs, but this was just like slapstick dumb at certain points. Where like just made me, you know, like roll my eyes, like a whole head eye roll. Like, ugh. Yeah. So you're not putting anything in the museum? No, I, I put something bad, a lump of coal. <laughs> a lump of coal in the museum. It's totally figured this out before you record this movie. Because I, I just, there's certain times where I'm like, oh, they want to be an adventure film. There's certain times where they kind of want to be dark and nasty, like Temple of Doom. Like when they're dipping people in the gold, just like ripping out the hearts. But then there's other times where it's just like pure slapstick. Like, what? Are we three stooging this up? What's going on here? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I would like to put something in a museum. I think this movie sucked balls. (laughs) And I really didn't enjoy it very much. But what I I really did think that that spandex uh, shield thing was pretty hilarious because it, it... he kept pulling it out of his shirt every time, you know, in secret yeah. after he got hit. And to me, that made the film. And so I'd like to put that in the museum for safekeeping so that it can be used in she and Alan in the future. I just love how happy it was every time he blocked it and he pulled it out. He's he would like, like hey, pull, look, guys. He would like pull it, it out in secret kind of and be like, <laughs> and then he was able to recreate it himself with gold. So not only was he given something of great value, but he passed it on and created something of great value for the rest of his team. That to me seems like worth putting in the museum. My favorite part is like how you could tell it's just fabric. Like there's not, it was not hard at all. You know, like there's no like. It's like a prom dress fabric or something. Now, if they would have said like it was magic, like it was blessed by a someone. I, I actually thought. Because it was the uh, spiritual guy that gave it to him, right? Uh-huh. I actually thought that that was just, you know, like a ripoff. Like, I thought it was a joke. I didn't... I thought this... Oh, yeah, because he was a goofy dude. Yeah. But but then it turns out that it was truly... Well, it supposedly truly worked. And that's the part I thought was really hilarious. Yeah. It's just like, you should have sold that for a lot more. Mm-hmm. You should never give that away. That mm-hmm. stuff's, like, priceless. Yeah. If someone happens to hit you... And the belly button. <laughs> well, but no, between the hips and the pectorials, yeah. I'm going to go belly button every time. <laughs> All right, that's going to end it this week. Uh, Sarah, thanks for coming on filling in for Matt, who is hard at work. Well, I guess he's not hard at work at Horrorama anymore. Um, they made the announcement, so this is going to be after. We could say it. That it got postponed because we're all dealing with, you know, COVID-19. Yep, coronavirus, Corona Geddon. Yeah, that's it. Poor Corona Beer Company. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of every time I say that, people are like, "Yeah, the beer's not that good anywhere." But I'm like, "Yeah, but they didn't deserve this." Yeah, this has been a really sad month for a lot of people. But then again, we're podcasting indoors anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we have to go outside for this. That's true, and we're we're sitting six feet apart, so we're following following all regulations. Babe, we're like three feet apart. <laughs> we're doomed. Don't, don't tell the government. <laughs> we're don't doomed. Government. All right. Until next week, remember to be kind. And rewind.